So last week, we looked at treasures. Treasures, what are you treasuring? What are you valuing in your life? Because as we saw in our passage in Matthew last week, you can either be laying up treasures on earth or you can be laying up treasures where? In heaven, thank you. You guys are paying attention. That's so encouraging for a pastor to see. You can either be laying up treasures on earth, which are temporal, or you can be laying up treasures in heaven, which are lasting, they're eternal. Now, here's something we didn't talk about discussing this whole topic of treasures last week, and that is because of their unpredictability, treasures on earth can oftentimes lead to worry, worry. And so it's interesting, isn't it, that after talking about treasures, Jesus now takes his time to talk about, as we're gonna discuss here today, worry. Isn't that such a wonderful thing to discuss on a Sunday morning together? Aren't you guys all excited to be in God's word? We're gonna talk about worry. How many people here, show of hands, have ever worried about anything in your life before? <laughs> all right. So here's a topic that is something of, pertinence and relevance for all of us here today. The, the truth is, whether you've worried about something at once in your life, or you're worrying about something now, or whether you're going to worry about something to come, there is, this is an area that we are all concerned with. I, I deal a lot with worry, so much so in fact that I'd talked to our other team about hiring a person on staff that would just deal with all of my worries. And they said, well, how much would that cost? I said, it's gonna run about 5,000 a month. And they said, well, how in the world are we gonna pay for all that? And I said, that's for him to worry about. <laughs> so, but seriously, seriously, <laughs> worry and anxiety is a, a going concern in our, in our society and in our world today. In fact, so much so that um, among Canadians, 15 years and older, um, anxiety and, and, and worry has doubled from 2012 to 2020. In that short amount of eight years, we've seen this kind of increase in anxiety and, and worry uh, among Canadians. And this is not, this is not a new problem. I, I believe, sure, that we have seen an increase in these things based on the way that our society kind of operates. It's a going uh, and, and you know, continuing trend that we're going to see with kind of this fast-paced, everything like, you know, so quick and, and everything's got to be now and, and, and these add a lot to worry. The, the, the kind of place that we live can add a lot of worry with, you know, finances and, and living and cost of living, all those kinds of things. I believe that, yes, it's an ongoing trend, but this is not a new problem. It's been a reality for people since really the beginning. And Jesus takes time in this wonderful Sermon on the Mount to address this very important and relevant topic that was of, of great importance then as it is even more so now today. So we're gonna look at some remedies to worry from the one that cares most about you here today. And that's our Heavenly Father. Here's what we're gonna look at in this passage. Why we shouldn't worry? Well, first of all, don't worry because of who you are. Secondly, don't worry because it doesn't help. How's that for truth right there? <laughs> don't worry because it doesn't help. Thirdly, don't worry because it hinders our testimony. And fourthly, don't worry because you lose your perspective when you do. So that's how we're gonna break down this passage that we're gonna look at here this morning that we've already read through, but let me bring you back to verse 25 of Matthew chapter six. 
And again, here's what we read. As we look at don't worry because of who you are, we read this. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now again, when you read that word therefore in scripture, that's there for a reason. You always ask, what is it there for? And it always brings us back to the context, the section that we just kind of looked at because it's all connected now. So when Jesus brings up this topic, therefore I say to you, do not worry. It's because what we just looked at, no doubt could potentially cause people to worry as we look at treasures, as we look at who we're serving and, and what are we really focused on. We can focus on the wrong things that lead to a lot of stress and worry. So Jesus ties us in now based on the things that we've looked at, the treasures that we can be laying up now and what we should really be focused on, laying up treasures in heaven, as he said in verse 20. Don't be overly concerned with money and material things, but rather serve God, he said in verse 24. You cannot serve two masters, right? You're either gonna serve God or you're gonna serve mammon, but you can't have both in a sense. You're gonna serve something. So with this perspective in mind, then Jesus says, therefore, do not worry. In fact, he's gonna repeat this phrase, do not worry, three times in our text here today in, in this in this passage of scripture we're looking at from verse 25 to 34, three times you're gonna see this word, do not, this phrase, do not worry. And actually six times you're gonna see that word worry or worrying being repeated. He's gonna really touch on this because he knows this is an area that we are all prone to falling prey to worry and stress. And so he says, worry repeats it six times, three times, do not worry. It's very clear what Jesus is getting at in this passage and what the theme really is all about. In fact, when he uses this phrase, do not worry, he's, he's speaking this in the present active imperative, which means this is spoken as a command, a command. Have you ever looked at that phrase, do not worry, as something that is a, thou shalt not worry, as a continued action to be followed. This is not just something that we do once in a while. This is daily to be a repeat, uh, you know, thought and practice in our lives. Don't worry. Do not worry. A continual command that we're to be living out. Now, think about that because we take a lot of commands very seriously, don't we? When we see command, especially when we think about the, you know, 10 commandments, thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. These are ones that we go, oh, those are serious, man. I don't want to break those. Those are ones that guide my life. I want to be sure that these are things that are being done in and through my life. But yet when it comes to the command, do not worry, we kind of go, eh, you know, just kind of part of life, isn't it? Is this just something that everybody deals with? Like no big deal. This is just a part of life. It's just something that we're going to experience. And yet, do we have that attitude with other commandments? If so, let me know. Because if you're holding, thou shalt not murder, it's just kind of like, eh, it's just, you know, part of life. It's just kind of how it goes sometimes. I'm going to be like hanging out less with you if that's your attitude, right? <laughs> we don't hold that same kind of sentiment or attitude towards other commandments. We're like, those things really need to be the foundation and the structure and the, and the you know, leading God of my life. And so much so that then do not worry should fit into that as well, as Jesus gives us as a command for us. Is carrying a lot of weight and importance 
in Jesus's eyes that he says it this way and says it three times, do not worry. It's something we need to take ser seriously. Worry is not something just to shrug your shoulders over and think it's just normal. It's just, it's just something we deal with. It's an everyday part of life. No, that's not the way we should look at it. We need, as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, we need to take this to heart and say, we should not worry. We should stop worrying, essentially. That's how we need to live our lives. But, but see, Jesus doesn't just tell us, stop your worrying. You know, like as parents, when your child is, you know, crying over something ridiculous, stop your crying. He doesn't just say, stop your worrying. He tells us why we should not worry. He gives us reasons why we shouldn't worry. First of all, he identifies some of the more natural things that we tend to worry about, which is what? Well, like he says here, things like food and clothing. Food and clothing, he mentions here. These are things that people can find themselves kind of, you know, focused on and, and, and worrying about. Things that are gonna sustain our life. And what's interesting is we have so many options today for these things. We live in a, a country of plenty where we don't really have to worry about where's my next meal coming from. You know, we have cupboards, pantries that are pretty stocked well and that these are things that we're not overly consumed about. Where are we gonna find something to eat? But think about this back in Jesus's time because food and drink were never a guarantee. People typically had to grow their own food and, and, and tend the, the gardens and, and, and farm their land to just be able to have food that would sustain them. And, and there were with that a lot of uncertainties. Weather could not cooperate. People could come in and damage the crops and, and they would have nothing. I mean, these were going concerns for people in Jesus's day. Now, perhaps today, the equivalent you know, for us would be having a steady income by which we could purchase food and daily needs. These are perhaps concerns that many could have today. And then Jesus ties in our worry of what we're going to wear. And again, we oftentimes don't stress over, you know, if we're gonna have something to wear, we're stressing over, what should I wear today? We open our closets and it's full of stuff. And we're thinking, does this shirt match these pants? Are these shoes going with the outfit? We're worried about what we're gonna wear, not so much if we're gonna have something to wear. Whereas many people around the world today are, are thinking, am I gonna have shoes for my children to wear at all? I mean, it's, it's kind of a little bit different, but these are things that can indeed concern us. And we find ourselves sometimes worrying over the silliest things when people you know, are, are living in very different extremes. And Jesus is touching on a time when these were going concerns. But notice what Jesus says, because this relates to whatever time you're living in. Here's what Jesus says. Is not life, is not life more, more than food and the body more than clothing? In other words, doesn't your life and your body really consist beyond these things that we oftentimes get, get all consumed with and worried about? Doesn't our life and our body go beyond those things? Is this why God put us here on this earth? Just so we can be stressed over what we're gonna have to sustain us and what we're gonna wear to make us look good? That's not the point of life. That's not why Jesus created us. God has us here for much more than this. And that's kind of the point that we're getting to. God puts you here and God is going to take care of you. 
God's gonna take care of you. That's, that's the point. Jesus gives us a great example of this in verse 26 because he begins to move us outside of our lives and to look around. And he says, hey, guys, look at the birds of the air, verse 26. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And so when you look at some of God's creation, birds, as Jesus brings up, they're oftentimes a wonder to us, right? You just look at, at God's creation, the birds flying around, and, and they, they're just a marvel. In, in God's creation, you see just his handiwork and you see his provision. You see, they're all flying around and their needs are being met for them, not by their own doing, but because God's providing for them. You don't see any birds out there that are growing little worm farms so they can have you know, a stockpile of goods. You don't see them out there planting sunflower, uh, sunflower so they can have you know, a good production of sunflower seeds in the next season. They're not working up like, you know, they're not flying around you know, with their you know, wings, like wiping their brow with the sweat that's coming down from out of stress. They're like, what am I gonna do today? How am I gonna feed the little ones? No, they're just out there. They leave their nest, they fly, and they know that it's gonna be taken care of for them. They just go out there and it's there. They're not, they're not having to produce it. They just go and gather it. It's there for them. Why? Because God is taking care of them. Because God is providing for something uh, of just, in our eyes, little worth. Little birds. Little birds that some of you might go out and you know, shoot with BB guns thinking, oh, there's nothing to these things, right? Ah, oh, they're just little birds. There's many of them. We're never gonna have a short supply of birds. And yet, Jesus is pointing out that God is providing for them. And the lesson for us is this. <laughs> it's simple. Maybe you haven't looked at it this way, but I hope you have. If he's providing for them, is he not gonna provide for you? Because are you not of more value than they? Are you not of more value than they? If God is taking care of insignificant birds, how much more will he take care of you? And here's why you're of more value than they, because you're created in his image. You have God's imprint upon you. There's a special relationship that God has put into you, between you and him, that it goes beyond that of just his normal creation of, of birds and other animals. There's an intrinsic value on your life because of whose you are. Now I said in our first point, don't worry because of who you are. And that could be more rightly said, don't worry because of whose you are. You're his, you're his child. And he loves you and he cares for you. And not only has he made you in his image, but he's given us dominion over all these things that he's already taken care of. So I want you to have dominion over all of my creation, over all these animals, all the little birds you've got dominion over. But yet God says, I'm providing for them. And if I'm providing for you, for them, how much more will I provide for the one that I put over all of them? How much more value are you than they? Have you ever looked at it that way before? If God puts such special attention in all these things, how much more is he thinking about you, providing for you and caring for you? Because he loves you who is made in his image in a greater way than anything else. Now, verse 27, we'll cover that uh, in our second point, but let's continue on this first point here where we look at verse 28. Look at verse 28 there. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, 
how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So why worry? And the point here is why worry when the richest man at the time, Solomon, could not outdo what God simply did with his own creation, with the beauty he put into temporal things. I mean, just think about some of the amazing colors and the designs we see in flowers, right? Just the amazing beauty that God put into flowers. Even, even among the weeds that cover 95% of my property, there is beauty in some of those things that God has put into there. And yet God says, even Solomon wasn't arrayed in the kind of glory that is seen just in my creation. And the beauty and the care and the thought that I put into things that are of a temporal nature. Remember when the queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon, it, it says in 1 Kings 10, uh, at the end of verse seven, your wisdom, she says, your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. She heard about all the splendor and majesty and glory of Solomon. She came to check it out herself and she says, oh my goodness, it's gone beyond even the things that I heard. And yet Jesus says, not even Solomon in all of his glory was arrayed like one of these things. And the things that God made, the flowers in the fields are not straining or striving to look good. They just let God do his work. They're just radiating what God has already just provided for them. They're not trying to make themselves look good. They're not trying extra hard to stand above others. They're just, they're showing the beauty of God and his care just in being. And if God does that to, again, the temporal things, because notice Jesus says that today they're here and tomorrow they're thrown in the oven. They're, they're temporal. They don't even last. And yet the things that don't last very long, God's put great care into it. How much more then will he care for us who are not temporal, but eternal, who are made in his image, who are destined to move on into eternal fellowship with our maker? how much more will he care for us? Are you catching this? Are you grasping this today? I hope you are. Because as a child of God, there's no need to worry in your life. If you're truly following Jesus Christ and you're holding to the truth of this word and the promises he's already revealed to us, there's no need for us to stress out and worry because God's already shown his care and his provision in objects of far less value than us. The only reason that you would worry is because you've neglected to trust your gracious and good heavenly father. And that's what Jesus identifies as the issue for those who worry. Because notice how he ends this here. Oh, you of little faith. That's the key right there. Oh, you of little faith. See, I believe worry and anxiety sets in because we've neglected to trust the Lord with our stuff. 
Walking by faith is difficult because it means that we need to relinquish control of the things that we're holding on to. And so things that we're holding on to where we think we've got to manage this, we've got to control this, we've got to make these things happen, that lends to our worry and stress. But when we can freely let go and say, God, I'm giving this to you. I don't know how this is going to work out, but that's where faith steps in. Faith allows us to say, I'm letting go of this and I'm giving it to you, God. And, and you need to be the one that ultimately provides for me, that meets my needs. I need by faith to remind myself that you love me and you care for me and you're going to be with me in all these things. So when Jesus says, trust me, it, it really shakes up that order that we're hoping to hold on to and that control we're seeking to have. To trust something often means that we need to let go of something to grab a hold of something different. And we need to let go of our stuff that breeds worry and we need to grab a hold of Jesus in trust and in faith and in understanding that I don't need to worry, I can trust him. Worry, worry, you see, is sort of like saying, God, I don't know if you're really able to help me in this situation. I don't know if I can really trust in your providence and your care at this time. Worry says, Lord, I'm gonna bypass your way and keep going my way and hold on to this myself. That's where worry comes from. Instead of surrendering it to the Lord, the one who ultimately cares for you and knows you better than yourself and knows exactly what you need and what's gonna help in your situation. Why wouldn't we surrender it to him? And you know, his unbelief, wasn't it, that, that allowed the, caused the Israelites to be kept out of the promised land, the, the very place that God wanted to bring them for their good and for their blessing. And it was their unbelief that caused them to come up short of what God had for them to where they had to remain in the wilderness, a barren, dry place where they continually complained. Man, worry causes us to continue to walk in a place that God doesn't want us to be. But by faith, we can move past that and enter into the things that God ultimately has for us that's to our good and to our blessing how we need to surrender these things to the Lord. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Cast all your cares upon him. That means that we need to, what we're holding on to, we need to give that to the Lord. We need to pass that on to the Lord. Now, here's something interesting, that idea of cast, it's kind of like, you know, when you're out there with your son in the backyard and your, or daughter, don't want to be, you know, your child, you're out with your child in the backyard and you're playing catch with a football or baseball. That's it, you're, you're casting, but guess what? You know, your heavenly father, just like your earthly father, doesn't receive that catch and go, thanks, and walk away. <laughs> He's gonna cast it back to you. He's gonna pass it back to you. And you're gonna throw it back. He's gonna bring something back to you. And, and what happens is when you're doing that, you're growing in fellowship and relationship. And this idea of casting your care upon him doesn't mean that it's now going to be gone for good, but he's going to take that. He's going to show he cares for you. There's going to be times where things are going to come back your way that again, you need to say, Lord, okay, yeah, I need to daily be in that place of being in your presence, looking to you, trusting you. Now, here's a couple of things that I want to just 
bring up that regarding the relationship of faith and the believer. Because sometimes we can get the wrong view about what, what faith is going to do. Faith, first of all, faith does not exempt us from our responsibility. As we look at today, God's provision and God's care in our lives, faith does not exempt us from our responsibility. I've heard some Christians take an attitude of inactivity by faith and just sit back expecting God to take care of all their needs. Well, I have faith that God's gonna provide. Listen, the birds still need to get out of their nests to get their food, <laughs> right? God's providing it for them, but they still need to be busy going about their work and then seeing how God is providing for them. First Thessalonians 3, second part of verse 10 says, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. We'd all love to experience a time like Elijah where you know, a supply of miraculous food is dropped in his lap by ravens, all right? The, the, that was the, the initial door dash right there, right? Ravens just drop in the food in their lap. It's like, there, God's, God's delivering it, right? And we'd all love to experience times like that, but don't hold your breath because the Lord takes care of us and sustains us, but we're not free to sit in our lazy boy binging Netflix all day and expect God just to cover our bases. He expects us to be active, but that's what faith does. Faith gets us active, stepping out and believing that the Lord is going to help us in these things. Secondly, not only does faith not exempt us from our responsibility, but faith does not exempt us from times of trial. Just because we have faith doesn't mean that we're never gonna go through hardship. We like to think that if we have enough faith, we'll be immune from difficulty. But it's times of difficulty that grow us, strengthen us, and in the end, it actually increases our faith as we learn to lean heavily on the Lord and to bring all this, this trial and burden and, and, and difficulty we might be in and bring it to the Lord as we cast our care upon him. And it's our faith that allows us not to panic in the midst of trouble and trials. And we're gonna see in the end of the chapter that Jesus even makes mention of the trouble that each day may hold. So understand, though trials may come, it's not because of a lack of faith, but it's our faith that overcomes our fear and our worry in the midst of those trials. Don't make that an issue where, oh, God doesn't care any longer. No, it's the trials that God allows in our lives that he knows is actually going to strengthen us, mature us, and cause us to see God's goodness as we learn to lean on him and trust him in those times. So here's another reason to stop worrying. We saw it in verse 27. Uh, it says there in verse 27, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. No, that's not the right one. Here it is. It's right there. Verse 27, which of you by worrying can have one cubit to a stature? So point number two today, don't worry because it doesn't help. All right, plain and simple. The message here is stop worrying because it does nothing for you. A cubit was a measurement. A cubit was like 18 inches. So uh, the, the verse is kind of like saying, can anyone add any height to their life by worrying about it? Trust me, I've tried. It does not work. <laughs> I'm praying for a long time. Lord, please, come on, faith. Reached about 45, I realized, okay, Lord, maybe that's not gonna happen. I was hoping eventually I'd hit my growth spurt, but never came. <laughs> but the idea, the idea more so, it, that idea of cubit is a measurement it can be a measurement of, uh, of length, but it can also be a measurement of, of time, right. a time. And so how that verse could more rightly 
B said is, can anyone add length of time to your life by worrying about it? Does your worry increase longevity in living? Not at all. And isn't that what some people worry about the most? They worry about death. They worry about what's gonna happen to them afterwards. And they worry and worry about preserving their life. I wanna live longer. I wanna experience this. I wanna see that. I wanna have that in my life. And we worry about our, our life to where we go through great extents to kind of prolong our life. And, and to the point where some people are so riddled with fear that they don't wanna do anything because they're afraid of any harm coming to their life. And we can spend so much time worrying about preserving our life that we just simply fail to live life and ultimately live it for Jesus and in Jesus. And as Christians, we understand that we're not living for this life. We've already seen how we're not to be laying up treasures on this earth, earthy treasures, but treasures in heaven. Our lives are already preserved for eternity, guys. We already have the blessed life. So no matter what happens to this life, whenever this life may expire and worrying is not going to extend that. In fact, man, I don't wanna extend this life any longer than it needs to in God's eyes. Because I know when this life expires, I'm moving on to greater life, life with Jesus, life that's gonna be so much better than whatever we've experienced in this world. I don't fear death. I'm looking forward to it. I'm not walking out this door, thank you. All right. Just don't drive home with her. <clears throat> I'm, not, I'm not walking out the door like going, okay, bring it on, death. No, because I know that I want my life to count for Jesus right now, but I'm not fearing death. I'm not worried about it because I know where I'm going and God's already preserved my life, so I don't have to worry about extending, preserving my life. And ironically, not worrying actually helps you live longer, right? That's the ironic thing. In fact, stress and anxiety rob you of life. Doctors and researchers have said that stress is more responsible than anything else for almost every disease. Isn't that funny? People stress over their health and, and living and prolonging life, and yet it's that stress that's keeping them from living longer. Not that that should be a concern to the Christian anyways. All right. Sinclair Ferguson said it well. He said, your life is in the hands of your father. He has designed it. He knows the end of it from the beginning. He plans each step of the way to fulfill his purpose for you and through you. You will have all you need to fulfill that purpose. And when that is accomplished, you'll be taken home to be with him. Why worry when he has your life in his hands? Your worry is a sign that you do not adequately know him or that you do not trust him or have not yet yielded to him as you ought. It's a good word for us today, but we gotta move on. Point number three, don't worry because it hinders our testimony. Look at what Jesus said in verse 31. Therefore do not worry, saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So remember, the Sermon on the Mount is being given to Jesus' disciples. It's meant to lay out the character and the conduct of the citizens of the kingdom of God. So Jesus kind of lays out a bit of a contrast here. The things that you might often find yourself worrying over are the very things that the Gentiles worry over. And when he uses that term Gentiles, he's speaking of those that are distant from God, those that are not living for God, those that are not in a, a covenant relationship with God, the heathen, right? So he's saying, 
All those that are in the world apart from God are living this way and it should not be the way that is a mark of the citizen of God's way and God's kingdom. These should not be running on, on, on parallel tracks here. People in the world are looking at what's different about the Christian? What's different about the, the follower of Christ? And if we're living out stressed out lives, worrying and anxious, we're not providing anything different than what believers or unbelievers in the world are already dealing with. And we hinder our witness in that. We're called to be different, my friends. We're called to be different. Like I said last week, we can be normal. Not to be weird, but, but we're called to be different. We're gonna have different focus, a different perspective, a different heart that we're, we're living for. We're not worried about the things of this world because we know it's temporal, like the unbelievers maybe are worried about, like Gentiles are consumed with and seeking after. See, if we're trying to lead people to Jesus and we're being dominated by fear and worry, what kind of message does that send? We're communicating a God that is powerless in our life. That's not the God that I serve. God that I serve is the God who loves me and cares for me, who is at work in my life. And though I may not see how it's all lining up, I know that God is in control and all things are working out together for the good to those that love him and are the called according to his purposes. So I can by faith go, Lord, you've got this. I may not see how it's all gonna work out, but I know what your word says, you've got it. And you're at work, so I'm gonna trust you. That's as believers, how we're to be living that sets something so radically different than what Gentiles and unbelievers are gonna experience in their life. Now, let me just say again, I'm not talking about moments of difficulty in your life. Times where we might go through hardships that really test us to our core. We're gonna battle with anxieties at times, but this passage is more so addressing a life that is always worried about where this provision and care is going to come from. It's the life riddled by self-focus rather than faith in God. That's what the Gentiles are consistently about. Me, 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 self-focus. What do I need? It's not to be the way that the follower of Jesus lives their lives. We're to be living by faith, trusting God. So here's what we're to do. We're to have the right focus. That's our last point, number four. Don't worry because you lose your perspective. Verse 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So don't seek after what you think you need. Seek after God and his kingdom. Seek after what you know you need. Live all the things that Jesus has been revealing here in this sermon on the kingdom way. In other words, stop worrying about your little kingdom and start living according to his kingdom. Put your eternal rewards ahead of anything the world can offer. Because when you get your perspective straight, you'll see that things that you've been worrying about really are quite small and insignificant in comparison to him. They really are of little value and importance. They were needless worries when we get a perspective fixed upon the Lord and, and his kingdom and what he's all about and who he is and what he's doing in our lives. When you put God first and your desires is righteousness, which is again, living rightly before him and honoring him 
in and through our lives, when we put God first and your desires, his righteousness, then you're gonna find a lot less things to be worried about in your life. So Jesus wraps up by saying something here. And I like this. So he says, do not worry once again. Do not worry. We've seen that three times in our passage. We've seen that word worry or worrying six times. Do not worry. Stop thinking about tomorrow because it's going to be taken care of when it comes. Do not worry about tomorrow. And how often are we in our worry thinking about what's lying ahead? And, and what we're doing is oftentimes, and you know, there's a study done of people that worry and the things that they think about. And uh, it was a small percentage, like I can't remember the number exactly, but it was like 8% of the things that people, maybe I think smaller than that even, let's say 5%. But 5% of the things that people worry about never happen, never come to be. And they spend all this time worrying needlessly over things that they didn't need to worry about because it never came to fruition. And that's what happens when we think about tomorrow. We don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow, but we know who holds tomorrow. We know who has it all in control. And when we're thinking about tomorrow, all we're doing is we're compounding the worry that we might have for today. We're doubling it, and oftentimes needlessly. Corey Ten Boom said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Let me say that again. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. And we become weakened the more that we're looking ahead, thinking about things that we don't need to worry about because it's gonna, we'll deal with it then. If there is something to worry about, deal with it when it comes. We don't need to overstress it and think about it and worry about it now. And, and here's what Jesus says. And it's maybe not the, the most encouraging way to, to kind of end a sermon. If I, it, you know, and again, I hate to say if I were Jesus because, oh boy, no, like I'm gonna make it better, Right? But I would have liked, maybe, maybe that's better. I would have liked him to say something more like this. Listen, it's all going to be okay, my friends. Don't concern yourselves with, you know, what's coming or what's here today. It's, I've got it. It's all okay. I would have liked him to end like that, but he doesn't. He says, he says, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, he says, listen, today you may have trouble. I don't like that ending. I would rather him say, listen, today, carefree. Don't worry, be happy. You know, just sing it along, right? I would have preferred that. But it doesn't end that way. But again, the idea is that trouble is going to arise. Don't freak out. Yeah. Trouble may arise, but you don't have to worry about it because God is with you and he cares for you. He loves you. He's proven it by how much he puts thought and care into things of unimportance, temporal things. And if he does it for that, how much more is he gonna do it for you? Amen. He loves you and he cares for you and he's got it. So you don't have to worry. Trouble may come, but stop stressing about it. Give it to the Lord. Cast your care upon him because he cares for you. Jesus said in John 16, 33, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. So here's some remedies real quick. Remedies for worry. The Father, again, we serve a God who cares about you. Faith, our faith needs to be exercised and times of uncertainty are times to see our faith strengthened. It's time to see that God is good and sufficient because he is. Think about your future. We're not living for this world. Seek first the kingdom of God. Know that there's hope beyond what we see 
around us. Father, faith, future. These are remedies for our worry. Let me just share some passages of scripture to help in this important subject of worry. Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the God of peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It goes on to say in verse 8, the things that we're to think upon. And that's super important because that worry is all tied to, you know, the thoughts that we have. That's in, ingrained in that very word used in the Greek here for worry. And we need to be thinking on the right things. Set your mind upon the things of God. Let his peace just overwhelm you today and guard you. Don't let your mind get fixated on the things in front of you that you could oftentimes worry about. Set your mind on Christ. Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Oh, be in the word of God, my friends. That's a good word for us, isn't it? Word filled with promise and hope and how we need to be in the word and be reminded. And, and here's what the word tells us, Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Man, that's what we need in the midst of worry. We need the peace of God and he'll keep us in perfect peace. Jeremiah 17, 7, 8, blesses men who trust in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Just a few of many passages that God's word speaks to us about worry and anxiety. And the lesson for us is this, do not worry. God's with you, cares for you, loves you, and he'll see you through. Trust him in that, all right? Would you stand with me? Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we come to you here today and we thank you for this important word that we need to be reminded in daily. You've given this to us as a command that's to be an ongoing action in our lives. Do not worry and forgive us, Lord, when we fall prey to that. Forgive us, Lord, when we show lack of trust and faith in you when we hold on to these things ourselves rather than casting them upon you because you care for us lord may we see that so clearly here today and may we be those that can exercise that active faith that says god i'm not going to hold on to these things that cause me to fear and worry and be anxious i'm going to release that i'm going to release control of it i'm going to give it to you lord i pray for those today that have been riddled with anxiety and worry to where they have felt like it's just a part of their life. I pray today, God, you would free them from that. That you'd help them to say, I'm not going to hold this any longer. I'm going to let it go and give it to you, God. And as they do, may they find themselves freed from this stress that oftentimes binds them up traps them in fear. I pray that you'd release that and free them from it. Set us free to be those that truly hold on to what your word says and trust you today to live a life that's free from worry and trusting you every step of the way. We believe that, but may we live it out now, Lord, we pray. Amen.